Everyone see what this is? It's a glass of water. A lot of you, you already know where this is going, but I ask you, here's the great question. Is the glass half empty? Or is the glass half full? Raise your hand if the glass is half full. Oh, look at that. Oh, I'm so happy right now. Raise your hand if the glass is half empty. Wah, wah, wah. Stunningly, Ken Mine raised his hand again. That was the right answer. Okay. So, and you understand the point of this question. This centuries-old question that illustrates one of the great mysteries of human existence. Two different people can see exactly the same thing, and those two different people will have two different polar opposite perspectives. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about perspective. You look at that, and can you see the good? Or can you see the bad? You look at that and you say to yourself, Man, thanks be to God. Cool, refreshing water. Or do you say to yourself, Man, Browning was stingy with the tap. (laughs) Or as Ken Mine might say, Why didn't you change it into wine? (laughs) Because there is biblical precedent. Are you an optimist? Are you a pessimist? It's all about perspective. And I thank you for being so optimistic. I thank you for being so positive. But my sense is a lot of us raised our hand because that's what we want to be. But what is the truth? And for me, and for a lot of you who I know, The truth is, well, a lot of times we're not very good at seeing the good. But let's be honest. Sometimes good is hard to see. Sometimes half-fullness is virtually impossible to have as a perspective. Start with people. The thing about people, and I say this from time to time, the thing about people, people never cease to amaze us. People all too often do not meet whatever expectations we might have for them. When you look at people, when you look at the people at your work, your school, in your house, the people you interact with on a day-to-day basis, what do you see? Do you see potential? Do you see hope? Do you see joy? Or does cynicism kick in? And do you see their flaws? Their problems? Do you see the things that they believe that you disagree with? That you don't like? The perspectives that they have that are just different from yours? It's all about perspective. What do you see when you look at the world? No. That's what I think a lot of times too. I think, no! The world is a mess. The world is a why bother kind of situation. Where do we begin? Where do we start? What do we fix? 
How do we get the good news out? How do we share this love that God has given us here in this place? How do we get that out? So what's a lost cause? Not worth the bother, not worth the trouble. I had this professor at the seminary many years ago, obviously. And he was the professor of, like, counseling there. And I remember something that he said. He said, in the church, as Christians, we are mongers of hope. Do you understand what that means? We are called to see hope. We are called to bring hopefulness to every single situation. Hope to the world. Hope to others. Hope to relationships. Hopes to marriages. Marriage is never beyond hope, right? Relationships never beyond hope. We get to hope. We get to look forward. We get to be optimistic in the, in the, in the kingdom of God. Hope in the church. By the way, here's my question. Another quick question. The church. Glass half empty. Glass half full. Awkward silence. I will interpret as I need to. But I realize, for me and for a lot of us, we need a perspective adjustment. We need a kickstart in terms of our outlook. Because all too often, the circumstances of life, and life, there's a lot of situations we find ourselves in that's just tough, where it's impossible to see the joy. But we have a knack for bringing joylessness hopelessness to anything and everything. Brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, what does the Bible say? What are we called to be? Well, I've read the Bible a couple times. I've heard a lot of things from the Bible, and I seem to remember a lot of stuff about joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. Give thanks. In every circumstance. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And that turn of phrase applies to every day. Not just the good ones. And a lot of these sound bites, a lot of these perspectives are given to us by a man named Paul who wrote much of the New Testament. Thirteen books in all. If you don't know anything about St. Paul, it's fair to say he had a very challenging life. He was stricken with a lot of afflictions, so to speak. A week or so before Easter, a group of us from church, we rented out the movie theater down the street, and we went to see this movie called Paul, Apostle of Christ. And it was a movie about the life of this man, Paul. And, but really, it was really a snippet of his life. It was about ten days or so. And the movie was essentially, Paul was in prison, waiting to be executed, even though by our standards, by any objective standards, he didn't deserve it. He was innocent. Why was he in prison? Why was he waiting to be executed? For this. For the church. For Jesus Christ. He was proclaiming Jesus Christ. It was against the law back in the day, 2,000 years ago, Roman Empire. And because he was breaking this law, he went through repeated difficulties. 
He was beaten. He was whipped. He was in prison multiple times. He had stones thrown at him. His life was so hard. In the Bible, he describes a physical ailment that he says is a thorn in my flesh that plagues me nonstop. I asked God to take it away, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God's answer was no. You're going to have that thorn in your flesh. But in spite of all of this, Paul was something of a prodigy in terms of seeing the glass being half full. He was able, in a way that we can admire, to always see the bright side of life. I want to read something to you that you've heard already today from your second reading for today, the epistle reading from 2 Corinthians. Listen to what Paul writes. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Do you understand what he's saying there? Well, the first thing he's saying, the first thing I think we need to take away from that, he's saying life is very hard. Things are terrible for him at that moment. He says we're afflicted, uh, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. Things are really, really bad, comma, but things could be worse. Facing imprisonment, facing persecution, on the brink of death, he had this ability to say, Things could be worse. There's joy to be found even in this. A lot of you know I have a really good friend. I talk about her a lot in church. Her name is Jessica. There'll be an article about Jessica in an upcoming Lamplighter, so if you want to know a little bit more about her, you'll get to learn a little bit more about her in a month or so. Um, And I'm not trying to be mean when I talk about her, when I describe her to you. When I say she is the sickest human being I have ever known. In terms of physical ailments, she has had more piled on her than anyone else I know, than anyone would reasonably or rationally deserve. She's in constant pain. She's always struggling with various lesions on her body. She just had her leg removed last year. And she's been through so much over these past 12 years. And she's had her childhood taken away from her and her life taken away from her. But one of the great things I get to do in my life, I get to be in touch with her. I text her every week. I call her about once a month or so, and we talk on the phone. And our phone conversations are one of the great joys of my life because I call... I call with all my problems, with all my challenges, with all my difficulties, you know, like traffic and living expenses on Long Island and my kids behaving. And the fact that my hotel room on vacation was not exactly what I wanted it to be, you know, problems. The fact that church went a little bit too long. Or I'm not always on the same page with all the people at work. 
and I talk to this person who is either bed-bound or chair-bound and will be for the remainder of whatever life she has left. And she is so positive and so joy-filled and telling me about God and about the love of Jesus Christ and all that God has done for her and all that Jesus Christ has done for her. I thank God, Pastor, for all the wonderful people in my life. I thank God that I know Jesus always loves me. Jesus has brought me so far. And I hang up the phone in disbelief. Refreshed. Refilled. And I say to myself, I want what, I want what she has. I want that joy in all circumstances. I know a lot of people at my church who wants what she has. But I don't know how to get it. I don't know what to do. It's a mystery. How do you, how do you get that? Does anybody, how, do you, how do you get that joy in all circumstances? How do you solve that mystery? What's the secret? From Philippians chapter 4, again by St. Paul. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. That's the secret. But the thing is, it's not a secret. We, we know this. This is obvious. This is classic church stuff. This is Browning going off again. Jesus is the answer to all our problems. Jesus. Look to Jesus. Well, why don't we? Why don't we look to Jesus more? Why don't we look to Jesus when we're dealing with other people in our lives? Why don't we look to Jesus when work frustrates us? Why don't we look to Jesus when we're suffering, when we're hurting, when we're grieving. Because brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, Jesus has an answer even for grief. Because Jesus overcame death when he died on that cross and rose again. Why don't we look to Jesus when we don't feel worthy? When we don't feel like we measure up? When we're wallowing in, ne- when we're wallowing in negativity? Because Jesus tells us He loves us unconditionally. He forgives us anything and everything. And He will always be with us, no matter what. Jesus. The one who died. The one who rose again. The one who lives forever. The one who shares every bit of Himself with us. Just as He did with Lucas today. Look to Jesus who will forgive all your sins, no matter what it might have been, who will love you forever, who will be with you forever. He gives you all the love that He has, all the forgiveness He has, all the grace that He has. The cup isn't half full. The cup runneth over. Understand the truth of what I told these kids. Wherever you go, 
whatever you do, Jesus lives in you. Paul uses this really interesting turn of phrase in our lesson for today. Did you hear it? He talks about jars of clay. Do you know what a jar of clay is? Biblically speaking, do you know what a jar of clay is? Point to yourself. We are the jars of clay he is describing. What do you know about jars of clay? Well, it's not the fine china. It's not the flatware we use on Christmas and Easter. It's not the fancy stuff. It's got a little wear to it. It's a little rough around the edges. It's chipped. It's broken. But in these jars of clay, there is a treasure. Don't judge yourself. Don't judge me. Don't judge the situations you find in this world by what you see. Judge yourself, judge others by the Jesus living in us, by the Jesus seeking to live in all people, by the Jesus who shared his love to overcome this world. We need a new perspective, and Jesus Christ gives us resurrection, gives us life everlasting, tells us we are loved no matter what. Take that perspective with you. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' sake, amen.